This is All India Radio. Life must go on. All India Radio in collaboration with Vigyan Prasar presents science serial Life Must Go On based on understanding and managing sustainable development. Let's listen to episode number 35 titled Agricultural Biodiversity. I don't think. No, no, no. Yes, absolutely, Dr. Balwinder. But it should happen. Exactly. But why isn't there a need for technology? We need it for improvement in the farmer's condition as well as for food security. Dr. Raman, who said we do not need technology? Just see, what is the topic under discussion? And look where you are taking it. Okay, Dr. Neil. So, what is the topic under discussion? Dr. Raman, the topic is Sustainable Agriculture or Satat Krishi and how to establish it in this system. Exactly. And just as Dr. Neil pointed out, that not even out of the four of us present here are anti-technology in any way. Like you are unjustifiably trying to paint us no. like that. Correct. Oh, 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 calm down, calm down, guys, calm down. Why are you three fighting, huh? Look at him. Remember, remember people? How nine years ago, we four decided to meet every Saturday and debate on any given topic, right? Correct. Yeah, yes. And as we are scientists, we will also publish the outcome in the Institute's magazine and website. Yes. So that was exactly what I was saying, Dr. Balvinder. No, no, Dr. Anya, you are not discussing. You are arguing. Oh, and Dr. Balvinder, what exactly is the difference between the two? Sure, sure. I must tell you. One argues to make others accept your version of truth. And discussion is the search for the truth. That's all. Well said, Dr. Balwinder. And on that note, let us all enjoy a cup of coffee. Oh, well, uh, well yeah, uh, yeah, please give it. me your mugs. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need it. Thank, Here you, is thank, you, thank you. Thank you. I must say, the microwave is such a fantastic contraption. It heats up the milk so quickly and coffee's ready in just a jiffy. Mm. <laughs> Thanks to Percy Spencer. Percy Spencer? Who's he? Uh, you don't know, Dr. Nanya? The inventor of microwave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah, coffee is ready. Oh, thanks, um, Dr. Neil. You are most very welcome. much needed. I smell, I <laughs> Dr. Raman, yes? your observation about technology are okay. Uh, tell me, can any technology be an alternative to biodiversity? Well, take agriculture for example. Hmm. There used to be such a fantastic biodiversity in play. And now, a little of it is left. Yet I feel technology has adversely affected biodiversity. And if you say so, can you please prove your allegation, Dr. Neil? Dr. Raman. It used to be said that India used to have one and a half lakh varieties of rice cultivars. Huh? The gene bank in Delhi stores about 50,000 varieties. And the international gene bank has over one lakh varieties. And what is the point you're making, Dr. Balwinder? I mean, everyone knows these facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Everyone knows these facts. But my point is, after 1960, that is post-Green Revolution, 
only a handful of cultivars are grown on a commercial scale. So where did biodiversity take refuge? Huh? <laughs> In the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> you see, uh, we are all aware that Nikolai Ivanovich Vavilov included India in the list of eight places that he considered were the centers of origin for crop plants. Yes, according to Vavilov, about 166 species of crop plants originated in India. True. And the wild ancestors or genetic relatives of about 320 other crops can be traced to India too. Yes, yes, Dr. Neil. Rice, pulses such as arha, turmeric, uh, ginger, peppercorns, bananas, uh, bittergard, aubergine, okra, and uh, coconut, cardamom, jackfruit, sugarcane, bamboo, indigo, amaranth, mango. And who knows how many other agriculturally important species have been gifted by India to the world. Absolutely. Hmm. Yes, rice is indeed India's premier gift to the world. And just imagine the enormous genetic diversity present in the many varieties of species of fruits, vegetables and spices that you just named. Okay, Dr. Neil, can you do the honours to explain it, please? Are Dr. Raman. Didn't Dr. Balwinder just say that we have safely preserved about 50,000 varieties of cultivars for just rice alone? And it is possible that there were 2 lakhs or more varieties. And take mangoes for example. There are over a thousand varieties ranging in size from that of an almond to a watermelon. <laughs> Very true. And Dr. Raman. Don't forget the humble aubergine or brinjal. It can be round and fat or thin and elongated. Mm. It can be small or large. It can be green. It can be white or dark purple. <laughs> <laughs> These are manifestations of genetic diversity. Absolutely. And in Garhwal, it is used to be a common practice to sow baranaja. Uh, excuse me, Dr. Anya. Hmm? Baranaja? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Bara Naja or Barha Anaj. It means 12 types of seeds. Okay. The farmer used to sow these 12 species on one small patch of land. He would plant rajma or kidney beans, pulses such as urad, moong, kulthi, ramdana or amaranth, maduaj, hangora, bhat and lobia. And all these would be grown as mixed crops. Uh, you know, basically a fistful of assorted seeds would be scattered and these would sprout and flourish. But uh, Dr. Ananya, hmm? don't you think by this way the plant species would sprout here and there? I mean, how could one systematize the growth? And oh. management would be difficult indeed. <laughs> no, no, Dr. Raman, not really. Huh? See, different crops ripen at different times. So harvesting times differs too. Besides, when you grow mixed crops, it is unnecessary to add fertilizers or manure etc. As naturally, the fertility of the soil becomes enhanced and there is no need for insecticides as well. Very true. And the best part is that the entire family is assured to nutrition for the entire year. Yes. <laughs> That's the amazing part of the whole thing. <laughs> okay. But uh, what about management? 
I mean, how would they manage it? Dr. Raman, in our country, the small and marginal farmers, they constitute about 86% of the agricultural community. And these farmers individually own less than 2 hectares of land. For them, it is not at all difficult to manage mixed farming. It is economically more profitable too. And Dr. Raman, one more factor that tilts the scale in favor of small and marginal farmers is that they are capable of enormous labor. Mm. <laughs> Management is hardly a problem when every member of the family is ready to toil in the field. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly observed, Dr. Balwinder. And it is not just in the matter of crops, but in case of cattle too. India has enormous genetic diversity. India has about 40 varieties of recognized breeds of indigenous cows. Mm. Unfortunately, quite a few have become extinct. Perhaps even before being accorded due recognition. Okay, Dr. Neil, but the question is not that India is globally recognized for biodiversity or not. I'm wondering if just biodiversity is enough to fuel sustainable development? Don't you need technology? Would our granaries be overflowing without the green revolution? The future is dependent on technology. Can anyone out of you negate this statement? Dr. Raman, the future belongs to technology. Right? In fact, even the present. But sustainable development courtesy only technology. I mean, without the involvement of nature, is that all possible? Nature? Nature is under control of mankind and mankind will decide the direction that development will take, not nature. Dr. Raman, let me correct you at this point. Is nature truly under the control of mankind? Yes. Uh, okay, I'll explain using a small example. Recently, the well-known agricultural scientist placed some findings pertaining to organic fertilizers uh, before the Committee of Estimates under the Ministry of Agriculture. And do you know what happened? What? Some truly electrifying facts came to light. One such fact was that because of the unscientific and rampant use of nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium, the ratio of NPK in Punjab it has reached the dangerous level of 39 is to 9 is to 1, whereas the optimal ratio should be 4 is to 2 is to 1. Mm, okay. And this is probably because urea is relatively easy to procure and relatively cheap as well. So the farmers used lots of urea over there and the nitrogen content of the soil, it became extremely high. Yes, and our national ratio of NPK is quite high too. Hmm. It is 7 is to 3 is to 1 instead of internationally accepted 4 is to 2 is to 1. Rightly said Dr. Balwinder. And not only that, do you know Dr. Raman that the scientists said that in the early days of the Green Revolution, 1 kg of NPK fertilizer resulted in 50 kg of agriculture produce. And now it's only 10 kg. This actual translates too much less produce even though much more fertilizer is being used. Yes, less production yet increased use of fertilizers indicates that the fertility of the soil is decreasing 
and this in turn means more expenditure for the farmers. Ah, so as per you, Dr. Ananya, was the Green Revolution a wrong step? I didn't no, say no, that. No, 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 Dr. Raman. The Green Revolution was a demand of the times. Today we are food secure. This makes us responsible for the environment, for health and the generation that will follow us. I totally agree, Dr. Neil. And that is why we must pay attention to ecology even as we develop technology. This way it will be possible to ensure sustainable development. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, how can we decide which technology is right and which is wrong? I mean, because technologies are controlled by companies and each company claims that its technology is the best and markets it as such. Dr. Raman, The Silent Spring is a book written by Rachel Carson in 1962. This was the first time that the adverse effects of pesticides used in the fields were brought to light. Dr. Neil, the companies did counter Rachel Carson's claims quite fiercely, I must say. So what? The ill effects of chemical pesticides are evident now. And the debate wasn't just chemical versus organic. Basically, we gave up living in the harmony with nature. Hmm. Silent Spring shook the world. And even at that time, there was concern about biodiversity. But the companies are huge colossal. But Dr. Neil, is it possible to guarantee food security without the use of pesticides? I mean, in this era of intensive agriculture, when enormous areas are under monoculture, which is necessarily attracts more pests, can we do it without pesticides? And yet, hope for good crops. Well, Dr. Raman, this is correct observation on your part. That monoculture on intensive scale has given rise to some problems. Thank you. That is the reason why mixed cropping that is, sowing two or three crops together on the same land is now being discussed. In my viewpoint, as far as the use of insecticides goes, biological agents such as other insects can be used to kill insect pests. And biocontrol agents are being used too. <laughs> so you are referring to the biological control of pests? And this is possible only because of the genetic diversity present among the insects. Yet, uh, farmers have not exactly embraced the process though, because it is easier for them to spray chemicals rather than to catch insects. <laughs> no, no, Dr. Ananya. I'm sorry. Our traditional knowledge says, Keet niyantran, keet hi asto amoga. This means, for the control of insects, insects are invincible weapons. What are you saying, Dr. Balwinder? I admit that biodiversity is essential, but to believe what you are saying, that is difficult in this day and age. On the contrary, Dr. Raman, let me give you the example of Nidhana village in Jin district, Haryana. Dr. Surinder Dalal worked with the villagers since 2010, educating them about insects. Insects? Yes. He set up the Keet Saksharta Patshala or a school dedicated to learning about insects. Oh. Ah, it was an insect literacy campaign. Soon, the farmers realized that insects are part of nature, just like we are. Correct. They became aware that each species has a part to play as natural cycles unfold. There are no friend insects or enemy insects per se. Yes. And you know, today thousands of farmers have joined the Keet Patshala. There are farmers who have not used a drop of insecticide in their fields 
for the last six years. What? Six years. Exactly. And interestingly, their returns outstrip the returns of those farmers who rely on chemical insecticides. But how is that possible? It is possible. Dr. Raman, in Nindana village, the women folk celebrate Khet Divas and thousands of farmers participate in the event. They learn about insects from the women of villages such as Nidana and Lalit Khera. Hmm, interesting. But Dr. Balwinder, how come the women folk are so active? Dr. Raman, even today it is a woman who shoulder 80 to 90% of the work in agriculture fields. 80 oh. to 90%? Yes, and these women of Jind district in Haryana have decided that they will not serve up a daily dose of poison on the plate. Oh. Very nice. So not only have they mastered the techniques of how to carry out farming without using pesticides, but are teaching others too. Very yes, good. yes indeed. Dr. Raman, let me tell you an interesting fact. Okay. The women folk and also the farmers here have identified 204 species of insects. Hmm. Oh. Out of these, 43 can eat flesh and can be said to be non-vegetarians. Okay. Mm -hmm. And 161 eat parts of plants and can be considered to be vegetarians. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, generally speaking, it is believed that vegetarian insects are pests and flesh-eating insects are friends. <laughs> well, unfortunately, when we use pesticides indiscriminately, the population of vegetarian insects shows growth. That is when the pest population flourishes. Ooh. Yes, and these farmers and the women folk inspect the fields like scientists using magnifying lenses and study the life cycle and behavior patterns of these insects. And you know what they found? What? They found that pests feed voraciously on different parts of plants and make tiny holes. Huh? And in October, this happens naturally to allow sunlight to penetrate to reach the bottommost leaves so that the photosynthesis is carried out easily, providing food to the plants. Wow! Yeah. Agricultural scientists must have been amazed to see farmers <laughs> melting this traditional knowledge with science. <laughs> yes, yes indeed. <laughs> and that is why there is an initiative to harvest the entire knowledge base and techniques on scientific footing. Mm. Uh, well, 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 Dr. Balwinder, I feel that there is a need to take forward the Keet Patshala campaign. Certainly, yeah, certainly. Yeah, right. The most important factor here are the identification of the insects, collection of scientific facts about them, and taking the information to as many farmers as possible. Mm. Yes, yes, that's happening too. Farmers are becoming aware about the adverse effects of pesticides. In states like Punjab, which is facing the backlash of indiscriminate use of pesticides. Farmers have realized the importance of insect literacy campaign. Yes. Hmm. Now they are coming forward to gather information during such campaigns. Oh. And the women folk, they have recognized 204 different species of insects. They know their food habits too. How wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> and they don't use a drop of chemical insecticide. See, Dr. Raman, this is incredible contribution of biodiversity to agriculture. No doubt. Okay. Actually, Dr. Ananya, no one is denying the importance of biodiversity in the field of agriculture. The question is, can we rely solely on organic practices or traditional farm species to guarantee food security for all? Today, 
India is a globally ranked first in milk production and second in cereal and horticulture produce. Additionally, it ranks first in production of certain vegetables. However, uh, would this have been possible without technology and hybrid seeds? Um, the question still remains. Mm. Biodiversity is necessary. However, without input of technology, sustainable development is not possible. Uh, Dr. Mm. Raman, what is sustainable development? Okay, I'll tell you. Uh, it is... Oh, excuse me, guys. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, please. Hello? Yes, yes. I'll be leaving in half an hour. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> Looks like it was a call from home. Mm. Bhavaji, I suppose. <laughs> Did you receive a scolding? <laughs> Dr. Anya, you're wrong this time. That was my daughter. <laughs> Actually, for her college assignment, on Monday she has to make a presentation on milk allergy. <laughs> and she needs my help for the project. Oh, I see. No scolding involved. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, today is the day devoted to our weekly debate and discussion. <laughs> Phone calls from home are not allowed because everyone knows that we are engaged in debate and discussion. <laughs> Dr. Balwinder, you should explain... Oh. Huh? Oh. Huh? <laughs> what is this, Dr. Raman? Uh, hello? Yeah? Oh, okay. You're right, right. Okay, okay. Okay, I'll be there. Huh? Okay. Yeah, bye, uh, bye, bye, bye. Uh, hello? Dr. Raman? Hmm? What is the matter? Huh? It was a call from home, wasn't mm. it? <laughs> yes. Wasn't that it? Did you finish the conversation properly? Uh, I received a reprimand. <laughs> Good joke. Good joke, Dr. And yes, indeed, when you receive a severe scolding, it is best disguised as a joke. <laughs> okay, jokes apart. Dr. Neil, you had asked what is sustainable development. It is something that can continue forever. It is something that will keep environment secure. So, it is sorted then. Hmm. We ought not adopt any technology that is not beneficial to nature and biodiversity. Hmm. For sustainable development, we must draw on our traditional knowledge. So, let's go. Let's go now. I have to go and do some research on milk allergy. Why in such a hurry, Dr. Balwinder? Uh, I'm the one who got scolding, remember? <laughs> and anyway, the reason behind milk allergy will be found to be rooted in biodiversity too. So, Dr. Raman... Now you admit that agriculture or farming is not possible without biodiversity. <laughs> you also admit, I believe, that practices in current use need to be changed. Oh, Dr. Ananya, I have been in complete agreement right from the start. Mm -hmm. However, it is necessary to inject a little fire into debates. Oh, and I yes, see. <laughs> to explain to Dr. Balwinder about milk allergies, I will need to talk about A1 and A2 types of milk. And yes, it is the genetic diversity of our cows that can help fighting milk allergies and a few other illnesses. Our indigenous cattle breeds, that is. Okay. By hybrid varieties, we mean those breeds that are developed by crossing native breeds such as Sahiwal, Gir, Red Sindhi or Thar Parker with the foreign breeds uh, such as Holstein Freistin, Jersey or Red Dane. But I don't understand one thing. What are A1 and A2? <laughs> A1 milk differs from A2 milk. The difference is one amino acid in a chain of 209 amino acids at position 67. A2 milk has amino acid proline, while A1 milk has the amino acid histidine. Right. Interesting. 
informative so the cows that has histidine in position 67 on the amino acid chain produce milk with a1 beta casein the devil in the milk those cows untouched by the mutation produce milk that has enormous health benefits that is a2 beta casein enriched milk well 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 it is clear now isn't it dr ananya and dr balwinder that the devil in the milk is a1 protein and the angel in the milk is a2 protein exactly. definitely very much clear hmm. the western countries are aware of the benefits and so while they may sell a1 protein containing milk to other countries they sell a2 protein containing milk at a premium in their own countries wow and and they are breeding a native breed such as haiwal gir and kankreech to increase production of a2 protein containing milk How amazing. This milk can not only prevent the onset of many diseases but also help the ill to regain their health. Oh, And amazing. it is important to realize that India is the world's leading producer of milk. And much of the milk is consumed in the country. However, by hybridizing our indigenous cows with western breeds, we have introduced the genes for even protein milk into our bovine genetic stock. Mm. Maybe because of this, India is the diabetes capital of the world and incidence of heart diseases is on the rise. Okay. And what is truly amazing is that our cattle breeds have evolved to be in sync with our geoclimatic conditions. That's why it is said that genetic diversity of plants and animals or biodiversity it is the cornerstone of agricultural practices it is our responsibility to save it right dr raman your words reminded me of my late grandfather and what is it dr ananya my grandfather used to say that buffalo and other mammals they may provide milk But the cow gives us the nectar. Beautiful. Oh, great. I must say, Dr. Nanaya. Uh, thanks. He was so correct in our blind race for development or should I rather say destruction. We forgot our indigenous biodiversity, our own traditionally harvested crops and even our native breeds of cows. Right. And we got so involved in this discussion that we have actually forgotten Dr. Balwinder that we need to go back home. <laughs> <laughs> Get up everybody. <laughs> sure. And yes, Dr. Ananya, Dr. Neil, we had a great discussion today. Of course. And Dr. Balwinder, please update the website. Sure, sure, sure. Write that without conservation of the environment, without conservation of biodiversity. we cannot hope for development of the human race correct very right actually that way lies destruction irrespective of the technology to be used it is necessary to study its far ranging effects such studies are especially important in the field of agriculture since it is the basis of our sustenance yes well this is exceedingly well summed up but You forgot to add something on your website. What's What? that? That Dr. Raman's wife played a key role in catalyzing the swiftness with which Dr. Raman reached the conclusion today. Oh, come on. That's right. Life must go on. 
You were listening to the 35th episode of this science serial produced by All India Radio in collaboration with Vigyan Prasar titled Agricultural Biodiversity. Coordinators were Dr. Chandra Mohan and Dr. B.K. Tyagi. Research and script Dr. Anurag Sharma. The episode was directed by Sudarshan Kumar. Presented by Dilip Jha. Recording and mixing Deeksha Sharma. The participating artists were Nikhil Devan, Nitin Bhaseen, Gaurav Devgan and Mamta Malkani. Hey listeners, please stay with us. Here are two questions for you. The lucky winner will get attractive prize from Vigyan Prasar. The first question is, what do you mean by Keet Patshala? And the second question is, what are A1 and A2 types of milk? You can send in your answers by simple post. Our address is Science Serial Life Must Go On. All India Radio, room number 615. New Broadcasting House, Sunset Mark, New Delhi, 110001. You can also write on our email ID, that is radio at the rate vigyanprasar.gov.in. Please do write your name, your age and profession. If associated with any science club, then do let us know the membership of your club. If you have any query or question, then don't hesitate to write in to us. We will be back again with the next episode of this science serial. Life must go on. Same day, same time next week. Till then, goodbye.